Good morning, family. How are you? Please turn to Romans 1. We'll start in verse 18, and this will be the text for uh, the morning. I will tell you the last time that I got to open God's Word and, and teach it was in front of 120 rowdy and crazy middle schoolers, all right, trying to corral cats. Uh, but what was so neat as, as they began, well, first, they're goofy. If you guys, middle schoolers, just goofy people, and when you get 120 of them together, it's the weirdness multiplies. But what was so neat was as God's word um, through the week was spoken, as, these, uh, as the Spirit was moving, and these young people began to recognize the grace that had been shown into their lives, uh, boy, the response was just so neat. That they were hungry for God's word. These little junior hires, these middle schoolers, hungry for more of God. They wanted more of God. God, I want more of you. Jesus, I want more of you. And to watch that happening was phenomenal. And so it's my desire uh, this morning, and I believe God's desire for us, that we have the same spirit-given passion for the Word of God this morning, that we would say, God, God, I want more of you. I need more of you in my life. And uh, my prayer is, is that as we move through our time today, that you'll be blessed by God's word and that um, your passion and desire for who God is w- will be uh, expanded all the more. We've been going through a uh, series here uh, the last several weeks, God is Not Dead, if you've been with us, um, is the, and uh, we've been stepping through uh, different defenses of our faith, and so Mark and KT and Lev have all done a wonderful job through, through the Spirit's power of unpacking and proving that we have a faith that is, is not silly, that is not blind, but we have a faith that is built on an enormous amount of evidence. That we are not uh, silly in, in our belief, but can be backed up even by the evidence that stands, let alone just the, the wonderful person and character and nature of who God is, which is the foundation of it all. But, but in his grace, he's, he's given us ways that we can see, you know what, this, this is a reality. This isn't just something we make up and decide to, to follow willy-nilly. So we've been going through this so that when someone comes to you and, and they want the answers into life, the meaning of life, and they ask you the hard questions, that you, you don't have to say, oh, yeah, I just, I just believe that's what faith, you know, I, I know it, it's difficult, but I, I just believe. That's not good enough. I'm, I'm thankful for your belief that faith is from the Lord. But, but we as believers who have been instructed, uh, ready to make a defense for the hope that was, is within you, that needs to be sharpened. And so mentally, we need to be ready to, to dig in to the evidence that God himself has provided for us so that we can provide an answer to someone that is searching, someone that doesn't even know what they're looking for, but in their heart, they're, they're hungering for God because God is stirring and awakening something in them. And we want to be the kind of believers that are used by God to point people to himself. Is that good? Do you want to be involved in that ministry? I do. I do, and I, I know you do too, and that's what's exciting. And so today, we will continue to move, and today is a, it's an interesting topic for sure. The, name of, uh, the title of the, the sermon is The Authority of God versus Secular Humanism. And I know some of you started almost snoring instantly when you heard that title, okay? 
The next thing I'm going to say is that we have far too much material uh, to cover, okay? That's strike two, <laughs> all right? Strike three would be some joke about time, which preachers make that really reveals they care nothing about their time limits, okay? So I don't even know if we'll finish in three hours, ha, ha, ha. You know, at that point, people are checking out and getting mad. All right, but also those three, I have three strikes against me right now that we don't have enough time to fit it all in here that it's going to be intellectual. Cards on the table, this is going to be requiring of you to think through uh, what we're, we're talking about here. And then the, the issue, though, the reason that I, I feel so excited about our topic this morning is because I think if we can navigate through some of the, the intellectual piece of it and, and some of the maybe depth of it or... or um, I think at the end we will be blessed because I think it's going to be a mirror that's held up in front of us to say, do I really believe what I say I believe about God? Do I really hold true what God's word says? I can't tell you the way that Mark's message ministered to me the other day on the validity of Scripture. Listen, I have no doubts about the validity of Scripture, and yet, as the Spirit moved Mark to move point by point through all of this overwhelming evidence about how God's Word is true, you know what the response of my heart is, and it's only from the Spirit, but I was so excited because I said in my heart, that's true, I believe it, I will obey it. That was the response of my heart, not my flesh, but the Spirit working within me, it was a light bulb in a sense, which is silly because I knew the street. But to see that we have the truth, God's word given to us, means that if it's the truth, we must what? Obey it. We must follow it. And uh, this morning as we uh, dive into this real intellectual conversation, um, I'd ask that you be ready to... Uh, for the sake of your own soul and for the good of this body to, to dive in with me and ha- be ready to have God work in our hearts. And that's my prayer. And uh, we need to pray to accomplish that this morning. Father, it'll be only through your spirit that we understand, only through uh, your grace that, that our eyes are opened. And so, Father, I pray as we uh, look at uh, the nature of man versus the authority of a loving and yet holy God, that we will be astonished at your grace. That it'll take us to a place of, of fuller obedience and fuller love and, and that we will just sing of your glory. God, you can do that in this little body. You can do this. You can start a work. And so we pray that you do that through your word this morning, in your name. Amen. Well, that was the introduction, so that was nice and short. So the rest, as I joke about time. We need to define something this morning, secular humanism. And I'll, the secular humanism is the philosophy or life stance of, let me try again. Here's the definition of secular humanism. The philosophy of, of life stance of secular humanism embraces human reason, ethics, and philosophical naturalism while specifically rejecting religious dogma, supernaturalism, pseudoscience, and superstition as the basis of morality and decision-making. The term secular is the stance taken 
where there should be nothing in public realm of society that should talk about or deal with God or religion or any other deity. I wanted to read how secular humanisms define themselves first in the way that they say it and listen to the language they use. Religious dogma, supernaturalism, pseudoscience, superstition. You can already, from that definition, start to see how they view God's authority or the idea of there being a higher being in control or in authority of all things. But even to be more fair, I wanted to show you a quick clip here by a famous secular humanist named Stephen Fry. And I want to show you this because he explains in his own words the heart of what secular humanism is. And uh, what I want to ask you to do as you watch this is to evaluate what's being said based on what you already know, based on what you know to be true. And um, I think as you look through, I think you might be startled at how boldly they will proclaim the things that they hold as true, uh, how boldly it goes against what we hold to be dear and true. So, Connor, if we can show that clip, that'd be great. Think something right or wrong. Some people believe that what is right and wrong never varies from situation to situation, and that it can be expressed in constant and unchanging commands. They often look to religious texts or authority to discover what they think a God wants them to do. A humanist view of morality is different. Humanists do not look to any God for rules, but think carefully for themselves about what might be the best way to live. This approach means we have always to be empathetic and think about the effects of our choices on the happiness or suffering of the people, or sometimes other animals, We have to respect the rights and wishes of those involved, trying to find the kindest course of action or the option that will do the least harm. We have to consider carefully the particular situation we find ourselves in and not just take any rule or commandment for granted. We have to weigh up the evidence we have available to us about what the probable consequences of our actions will be. This way of thinking about what we should do is explicitly based on reason, experience, and empathy, and respect for others, rather than on tradition or deference to authority. It might sound hard, but luckily, most of us do it most of the time without really thinking about it. Morality is not something that comes from outside of human beings, gifted to us by an external force like a god, When we look at our closest relatives in the animal world, we see the same basic tendencies we recognize in ourselves. Affection, cooperation, all the behavior needed to live in groups and thrive. It is clear that our social instincts form the basis of morality and that they are a natural part of humanity. Of course, that is not the end of the story. The long experience of tens of thousands of years of human beings living in communities has developed and refined our morality, and we are all the lucky inheritors of that hard work. But it does not mean that there are not people who do harm or make bad choices. But ultimately, morality comes from us, not from any god. It is to do with people, with individual goodwill and social responsibility. It is about not being completely selfish, about kindness and consideration towards others. Ideas of freedom, Justice, happiness, equality, fairness, and all the other values we may live by are human inventions, 
and we can be proud of that as we strive to live up to them. Interesting, huh? And I wanted to be careful. I did not want to uh, skew what they believe uh, from me interpreting, so I wanted to show you just really blatantly what they, what, what they believe. Now, I want to uh, tell you, it would be easy for me to begin to bash and begin to say, oh, how silly, how foolish, how stupid. And there'll be ways in which we need to correct wrong way of thinking, and we'll do that. But we need to do that in love because um, we know that without God, this is where we find ourselves. Without God, this is uh, where we would be. Um, This is one of my, there was several little nuggets in there, but this is one of my favorites, uh, uh, favorites, but this was pretty astounding. Fairness, equality, happiness, justice, freedom are all human inventions. Another quote, morality is not pressed upon man by some external force like a god. Morality is a human invention in their mind. The humanist worldview refuses to believe in a God that created the world or a God that has authority over our lives. And there's several more of these clips, and in fact, I'd I'd encourage you to take some time and look at them. They're very well done from a production standpoint, very well done. Um, And what's interesting in all of the videos, uh, something that continues as you will see as you continue to carry on these little short films is this inability to leave Christianity alone. So in in their mind, it's not just enough to um, reject the beliefs of Christianity that there is an authority or that there is uh, an ultimate supreme deity that does have say and authority and rule and sovereignty. It's not enough for just that, but as you continue to watch, you watch these little jabs as they continue to mock Christianity and as they continue really, which is interesting, to start in a subtle ways, pointing that Christianity is the real problem in our world. Very interesting. Uh, the reason that they do this is because they cannot allow, in their worldview, there is no room then for a Christian faith that uh, would, would be viewed as legitimate because it stands in such stark contrast to what they believe. My grandfather introduced me to a poem long before uh, the topic of, well, I shouldn't say that, but before I had heard uh, terms like secular humanism and, and uh, relativism and some of postmodernism and some of those phrases, but uh, the poem was Invictus, and it was written by uh, a man. It, it best summarized uh, the humanist view in a way, and it was written by a man who was denouncing God's authority over his life, a man that had lost a leg and, and had, was struggling and continuing through some really hard things in his life. Um, and he denounces God's authority. And instead of that, he makes himself his own God. Let me read just the last piece of this poem. It says, It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And I think those last two phrases really help to summarize what the view is that I'm in charge, I am God. And so if I am God, then there's no room for the God of the Bible. There's no room that, that the God uh, that Christians believe in 
for authority in my life because I am the final authority is the view that's held. There are three humanist manifestos and, and several other documents that you can go and, and examine. This is by no means a, a thorough, even thorough examination of what humanism is and, and what secular humanism is just because it, it could be a full course. Um, but I do encourage you to be informed and to understand where they're coming from and what they're saying. Um, again, there's three uh, Humanist manifestos, and very apparent uh, when you read them what they stand for, and even more apparent, which is interesting, it's more about what they stand against. Uh, and that comes out clearly. They're startling to read, and they reveal a, a really bold stance against God, a really in your face stance against God. So there's those that are uh, atheists or agnostics, and they just simply say, I, I don't believe. I don't believe. Uh, and, and that's one thing, and, and again, just as, as a, a big a lie of Satan, but the interesting is the next step here is to say, uh, I don't believe, I hate the idea of God, I am God. And it's, it's just a, a, an interesting progression. Let me read you just a quick uh, portion from the, the third Humanist Manifesto written in 2003. Um, and you'll see as they grab and borrow things that they like from the Christian faith, all the while rejecting uh, the base of the Christian faith, which is God himself. Ethical values are derived from human need and interest as tested by experience. Humanists ground values in human welfare shaped by human circumstances, interests, and concerns, and extended to the global ecosystem and beyond. We are committed to treating each person as having inherent worth and dignity and to making informed choices in a context of freedom consonant with responsibility. Oh, it's so interesting to me. They, they are not saying that there is no right or wrong here. That's not their claim. Their, their claim that is that there is morality. Their claim is that as evolved species that mankind is, that we now are able to create morality. You see the difference? And so they're not denying that there's, there's no morality, but all the while, at the still, it's interesting, it's a conflict, and as you read further, you see that, yes, they are denying that there's absolute truth. They will deny uh, that any one person can claim what is right or wrong, uh, but at the same time, they will say that there is a right or wrong. They want to hold human life with great respect and value. And that, that's good, except what's so interesting is if we are just uh, accidents, if, if this great accident has occurred and now we are stardust bouncing around in the cosmos and now bumping into each other, where we have basically said there, there is no meaning to life, there is no real purpose to life, if that's the basis of which we hold, and that, that would be uh, evolution, their, their basis, that, that that's how we got our start, not from a, a designer and a creator, but by accident. Well, listen, if we have uh, accidents bumping into each other, what makes anything right or wrong? What is uh, the basis to say that anything can be considered right and anything can be considered wrong. And so it's interesting that they grab those things. The other thing, they want to, to, to admit that there's worth and inherent value in humans. But why? Let me ask, why is there value in humans? 
Where do we get our inherent worth? From God himself, the creator. Let us make man in our image. We are eternal beings who are exceptionally valuable. Why? Because we are created in the image of God. That's where we get our worth. That's where we get our value. And so they long for what Christianity has to offer, mainly what God has to offer in the sense that that we are valuable. We do have worth, and yet they want those things without any of the authority that comes from a God that says this is what's right, this is what's wrong. You see the confusion? Let me illustrate it this way. When I was in college, um, we, and a particular friend was always the worst at that. We'd say, hey, let, let's go get a pizza. Who wants pizza? And three of us would say, yeah, I want pizza. Hey, are you sure you don't want some? Fourth guy, you sure you don't want some pizza? No, 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 no. I, I, I'm good, I'm good. All right, so the three of us go and we split up the, the cost and we buy some pizza, right? And we come back to the dorm with our hot, fresh pizza. And the fourth guy sits patiently and says, oh, I made my choice. I'm not going to have any pizza. No. The fourth guy says, you know what? I think I will have some. And without paying and without uh, saying he wanted any, all of a sudden now he's eating half of the pizza, okay? You see, anyone have that experience ever in their life? That, That was a common occurrence, and so you just, you never brought pizza back to the dorm, okay? You see, he wanted the privilege and the perks of the pizza, but was unwilling to pay the price. Unwilling to submit to the authority that created the process of getting the pizza, you see? I hope that illustration understands that they, are, they choose, they pick and they borrow, and they, they do a little bit of uh, even uh, gymnastics with their reasoning because they want so badly to deny that there is a God so badly to deny that there is a God. Francis Schaeffer, one of the the great Christian scholars, uh, has done some incredible work in this area, pointing out why secular humanist worldview is so inconsistent, and and even more, why it's dangerous to our society as a whole, um, why it's dangerous even into the, the heart of the believer. He's strong, but he says this. He says, why has our society changed? The answer is clear. The consensus of our society no longer rests upon a Christian basis, but upon a humanistic one. Humanism is man putting himself at the center of all things, rather than the Creator God. This means man is the center of all things and the measure of all things. This means that uh, man has no knowledge and will accept no knowledge from God. This inevitably brings forth the results that our country and society now face. It is silent in the face of any meaning or lasting purpose. Francis Schaeffer began to point out uh, what the results of man being their own God will do. And, And even in our own society, the proof that man cannot rightly decide on their own what is right and what is wrong. The, the tragedy of legalized abortion screams this. Anyone keeping up to date on the, the most recent uh, videos that are being leaked about what in reality is happening not only in the process of abortion, but in the whole sick industry of abortion. And, and, and my stomach turns and my, my heart cries out in anger as I see that I live in a country that I'm supposed to be proud of that allows this to happen. 
Far more have ever been killed by abortion in this country than any of the wars we ever fought in our history combined. It is an epidemic. It is a sickness. And yet man left to themselves will do atrocious things. The next one is is clear that the redefinition of marriage, it it had stood for, for thousands of years of what the definition of marriage is. And yet man, when there is no God, when there is no accountability, man can decide what is right and what is wrong. I by no means want to make those the only two uh, pictures of what is wrong with our society. Please don't, don't hear me say that, but it, it is a, a very current picture of what's going on. I think even more relevant is the destruction of the family. One out of, of ten young people in the Detroit area have a two-parent home. And even a two-married parent home, a two-parent home, one out of ten. And we've watched as that society, that particular city has disintegrated. There's far more that can be said about uh, secular humanism, but the, the main premise alone, I think, is already showing that there is a great conflict between the viewpoint uh, that they hold and what we believe in, in regards to God's authority and the authority of God's word. And so, first, there's two things we need to recognize. Th- this is not a brand new stance. This is not a brand new invention. It may feel that way, but it's not. It has been a lo- around as long as Adam and Eve. Okay, Adam and Eve in the garden saying, I will be my own authority, God, not you. That's how long the secular humanism has existed. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes say there's nothing new under the sun and, and man's rebellion against God is as old as the history of man. What's interesting is that there's really not an overwhelming majority of people that will call themselves secular humanists. Okay, so if you, you go up to someone and you say, oh, what are you? I'm a secular humanist. That, that is probably a rare occurrence. Now, not to say there's, over the last hundred years in our country, there's some very influential and prominent people that have been secular humanists that have, through the court system, uh, Ray, uh, versus Ro- what is it? Roe versus Wade. I had him. Where, 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 thank you. Roe versus Wade. A small chunk of people deciding for the vast majority what is right and wrong. And so, over the last hundred years, they've used the court system, the small percentage deciding what is right. For everyone. And so the, over the last hundred years, we've seen a, a significant uh, influence by those that would call themselves secular humanists. Here's where we move past, hopefully, all the intellectual um, piece of it, and now we attach it both as an intellectual piece, but also a heart issue. And I think that's an important transition, not only for your own sanity, but also as we, we try to figure out, okay, God, what does this mean for us as believers? And what does it mean for us as a church? What does it mean for, for me as an individual? You see, secular humanism, like I said, is not something people would say, oh, yeah, that's what I am. But it has been so pervasive, the thought and the mindset, that there is a huge reach in our society as to what it is without people even being able to articulate what it is that they believe. And yet, the influence of I am the authority 
and God is not the authority. You see, secular or humanism can exist even while they say, yeah, I believe there's a God. Because you can believe there is a God that has zero influence or zero real authority in your life. And so you, in so many ways, our culture has embraced and even the church has embraced these concepts of what humanism is. That we are the authority. We are what decide what is right and wrong. Very dangerous. And second, it becomes really authority, uh, important here to pause and realize that uh, the worldview is off, and, and I think we'll clearly see that we don't hate these people. Um, these people have a, a view of life where there is an absence of God. These people need God. These people need Jesus. And so this is not a, a time where we get ourselves, oh, I'm so angry, angry Christian, you know, and, and just get so irate that we can't see clearly and, and start blaming them for everything. This is a time that we recognize who we are apart from God, take a chance to pause and see who we and our flesh are, um, and then uh, really in, in empathy and by the grace of God seek to reach those that desperately need Jesus. And that's the whole purpose why we're even looking into this today. Remember, you are not a believer because you're super smart. You're not a believer because you're better than someone else. Remember the words of Jesus to, to Simon. He said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is right after he confesses Christ as Lord. And so we examine this not from a position of arrogance, but rather a position of gratitude that in God's grace, we can see him. And so uh, now we're going to go on what God's view. This is point number two if you're writing them down. First was definition of secular humanism. The second point is God's view of secular humanism. And this is where we're finally going to get into God's word. At Romans 1, verse 18. And we'll read through this because this is God's response. Listen, this is not a surprise to God. This is not something that God was caught unaware. God's not up in heaven saying, oh, would you look at that? Whoa, didn't see that coming. That's, that's not what he's doing. He knew this about man. He knew this is what man was about apart from God. And that's why we'll find out later that he sent the solution. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Last verse, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen.
You see, this mindset or this viewpoint is not something, again, that has surprised God. God understands how wicked our hearts are. He understands that how in our righteousness we, we sin and we flee from God. Verse 18 says that men suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So to, so to suppress is to purposely hold down, okay? To suppress is an active, purposeful ignorance. So if I'm sitting at my kitchen table from the, the front door, if I sit in the right spot, if I'm sitting in my boxers, no shirt, eating Doritos, all right, and they're crumbling all over me. Everyone's getting sick to their stomach. I'll stop now. But imagine me. No, don't imagine me, but I'm there, okay? And my boxers and socks. And someone, my neighbor, comes to the door because my dog has gotten away, and they knock on the door, and I don't move. And they knock again, and I don't move. And now they're looking through the windows, and thankfully it's like the windows that are like kind of faded in prism, so at least the, I would look funny. And the, anyways, so they look through the window, and they can see me there. It's like, I can see. I know, I know you're in there. I, I know. And they keep knocking. If I continue to pretend in my own mind that they weren't there, would that make them in reality not there? No, but to continue to live that way, I would have to suppress the truth about them being outside knocking on my door. Listen, what a great picture of what God has done to us because in your own sinfulness, you suppressed the truth about God in such a way and you're not just in a home, you're in a barricade throwing grenades at God. You're enemies of God and it was at that point that God burst through the door, kicked down the door and said, you are mine, I have chosen you, I have loved you, through my son I will make you righteous. You see, in our own ignorance against God is when Christ died for us. Not while we were godly, not while we were choosing God. It was while we hated God that he sought us out. Do you understand? Do you see that? So even in our own ignorance, as we are suppressing the truth of God, God said, no, no, that's not good enough. You are mine. And he gave us the gift even of faith, the gift that comes from him. Not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It is from God. Listen to what God says in verse 19. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. Why? For God made it evident to them. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, the fact that He is eternal, no, no beginning, no end, has always been, not bound by space or time, His eternal power and divine nature, His deity, have been clearly seen, being understood through what was been made. So they are without what? Excuse. There's no excuse for not acknowledging God. God is not hidden. He's not far away. He is clearly seen. When Milo was younger, and he'd get in trouble, younger, he's two, but even when he was even younger, uh, and he was in trouble, and we'd say, Milo, this is what Milo would do. Like, that made everything better. Because all of a sudden, mom and dad were gone in his mind, right? He, okay, no, no authority over me, because you're not there. You, and that was his response to the accountability and the authority and the existence of his parents, was to cover his eyes, to, to suppress the truth. And yet, did that make it any less real that we were there? No, it didn't. Verse 21, here's the real tragedy, and this is the condition of the human heart. 
For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. So what was the result? Therefore, God gave them over. God gave them over, verse 24. He said, okay, if that's what you desire, to have nothing to do with me, to reject my glory, to be thankful, uh, unthankful for the common grace that I've given every soul that lives, then I will let you have what you desire, even though it breaks my heart, even though I, I hate to do this. God gave them over. And the result is man searching for meaning apart from God. And in their own unrighteousness, in their own sinfulness, they will suppress what is right and true and good. Therefore God gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. There is... There's there no greater definition of humanism than verse 25 here, and I want to read that. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. You see, that that is the absolute definition at the beginning of the message. I wanted them to be able to define who they are, but this is the truth of who they are, that they have denied worshipping the creator and instead they worship man. We're out of time and I have several more points. And so instead I, I want to jump to what the solution is. Praise be to God that there's a solution to our own ignorance, to our own blindness, to our own unrighteousness. And verse 16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So what's the answer to a world that, that is confused? What's the answer to a world that, that denies the authority of God that de denies any existence of God in their own life and is trapped in their own sinfulness, in their own righteous unrighteousness. The answer is the gospel. The power of the gospel, which is that God, even while we were yet sinners, died for us. The gospel is that God made a way for those that had purposely and intentionally blinded themselves to God. God made a way for us to know him. And it was by sending his own precious son, the Lord Jesus, to redeem us, to buy us back. And so this morning, if you're sitting here and, and, and you don't know the God of the universe personally, if you don't understand what it is to be saved from all that is it is to be, to be human. If you have not experienced the joy of salvation, the gift of grace, 
then this morning I want to invite you that God has made a way for you and your worth and your value is because of who He is. He's offering an answer to the meaning of life. He is offering an answer to the problem of your own sinfulness that will separate you eternally from a holy God. And the answer is the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. The mindset of humanism has, has uh, permeated our own mindset and believers. Uh, I want to encourage you that there are ways in your own life that you say, God, you're not the authority of me. I'm going to do what I want to do. Those of us that have been redeemed, that, that have been made new to walk in newness of life and our own flesh continue to choose to say, God, you're not going to tell me what's up. You're not going to tell me what's right. I will choose what's right. And we are devastated by that. See, listen, no one has ever done you wrong more than yourself. No one. As, as many mean things as people have said to you from the external, no one has been more cruel and untruthful and rude to you than yourself. As you continue to suppress the truth of what God is saying in your life. Let me, let me encourage us and we'll finish with this. Uh, dear brothers and sisters, please evaluate even today, stop and evaluate. Maybe write down on a piece of paper all the different areas of your life and evaluate, God, which areas are mine and which areas are yours. And God, in your grace, allow me to take those areas that are not working, that are broken because they're in my control, and hand them up to you. Listen, life does not make sense without Him. The authority of His Word and the truth of who He is wants to infiltrate into who you are and expose the areas that are dark and, and, and just shed his light on them. Why, why does he do that? Because he wants us to be bored? Because he wants us to be miserable? No, because he wants what's best for you because he cherishes you, he loves you, he knows you have worth because he gave it to you. So let's be counter-cultural. Let's battle secular humanism by being so radically in love with the Lord Jesus that we say, I will deny myself daily, pick up my cross, and I will follow him. Let's pray.